When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Spilling Royalty with Sean Mandel. So Maggie. Yes. We've got we've got a lot of royal news this week. Uh, a lot of stuff that caught us off guard, even. Yeah, it is overflowing with royal news. Uh, some of it good, some of it questionable. Yeah, it's a little bit of a double-edged sword here. You know, there's like, oh, there's some stuff that if you're a fan of the royals and you want maybe some reconciliation in the House of Windsor, you might be thinking, oh, that's a good sign. And you might as well think, oh, no, that's a bad sign. Uh, And what I'm getting at is that we have two really big headlines that we're going to be talking about this week. One is that Meghan and Harry did get an invite, a save the date, and maybe what we might call an Evite, because it was delivered over email to King Charles's coronation. However, this came on the heels of news that they were evicted by King Charles from their UK home that they had spent millions of dollars refurbishing. Yeah. So does an Evite make up for the fact that you've been evicted from your home? I don't know. I don't know that that's going to, you know, really offset it, but maybe, maybe it will. (laughs) So uh, I think that that's, that's the question this week. Uh, the power of the, what's the power of the Evite compared to the power of the eviction? So without further ado, let's get into it. This is Spilling Royalty, a podcast that follows the piping hot stories of the British royal family from London to Montecito, all the way to the upcoming coronation of King Charles. I'm Sean Mandel, a producer, pop culture devotee, and part-time royal correspondent. And I'm Maggie Van Dorn, the show's producer, Sean's biggest fan, and his occasional sidekick. In each episode, we will spill the tea. That's American for gossip. On the latest stories about the heir, the spare, and their kin. Tea will be served with some cultural context and history from across the pond that you can't go without. So without further ado, let's spill the royal tea. So... We have these two big stories that we're going to be talking about. Again, the Evite for Meghan and Harry to the coronation, which we weren't sure whether or not they were going to be invited, right? Because they, Meghan and Harry have been on a press tour that has been less than flattering for the royal family, I think you could say. Uh, and we have the story about them getting evicted. Uh, Their words, by the way, they're using the word eviction, uh, and they're the ones that have confirmed the story, not the royal family. This is not coming from Buckingham Palace. Uh, The story being that they have to move out, vacate their home, what they consider their permanent home, forever home in the UK, a place called Frogmore Cottage. Now, uh, And they're not just vacating for anyone, right? Oh, no, they're not vacating for anyone. They're vacating for Prince Andrew. Uh, another controversial royal for very different reasons, uh, given his ties to uh, pedophile Jeffrey Epstein and uh, also his disastrous interview that he did with 
BBC Newsnight a few years ago, which really got into uh, his ties to Epstein and just how horrific it was and how tone deaf he was to the situation. So it's going to be a situation that people are going to talk about as saying of anyone else to give it to, give this house to, you give it to Prince Andrew, uh, who has also had to step back from royal life like Meghan and Harry, but again, for very different reasons. Uh, So when, you know, we were talking about between us, I mean, originally we had just been planning to talk about the eviction, right? Because that's a big enough story in and of itself. Right. And a source close to the Sussexes have said that they felt like this decision, Charles's decision, to kick them out of Frogmore um, was hurtful, that they thought it would be their forever home, which for me is is kind of akin to my mom converting my childhood bedroom into her office, like the heartbreak <laughs> of it all. Well, and uh, Harry and Meghan have already had to deal with that as well, because Camilla turned Harry's bedroom, his childhood yeah, bedroom, into... Happen. Her dressing room. Right, right. So uh, I think there's always something really sentimental about losing your bedroom or your home, even if you have moved on to a multi-million dollar home in uh, Santa Barbara. Yeah, I think that it is also going to be add particular insult to injury because they only had the home for about two years. They moved in in 2019. This was a gift from the Queen after they got married. They wanted to get out of London. Uh, They wanted to have some privacy. Frogmore uh, Cottage is on the grounds of the Windsor Estate where Windsor Castle is, which is where they got married as well. They had their engagement photos took on the around Frogmore Cottage on in that area. So it had a lot of sentimental value. And again, even though they were only there for two years, it was like they built they got to like build this place exactly how they wanted when they remodeled it but at the expense of controversy because of how much it costs and who is paying for it. Uh, so it's been, poor Frogmore Cottage has been through it, really, um, these <laughs> last f- few years. She got a facelift, but again, at what cost? Um, right. So she can't keep her name out of the news. Uh, <laughs> poor thing. So, you know. Okay, so we thought, yes, and we thought this was going to be the big headline of this week. And then we heard another really big bombshell announcement, one that I actually didn't anticipate coming out until closer to the coronation. But that's yeah. the, the Evite. The Evite. And this is the uh, the fact that uh, Meghan and Harry have confirmed uh, through a spokesperson that they are that they did receive communication from uh, Prince Charles about the invitation. Their ex- the exact wording uh, from the spokesperson was, I can confirm the Duke has received, also important to notice that it was the Duke, meaning The Duke, like the title is mentioned. Well, but him, not Oh, him not, it wasn't addressed to Megan. the Duke and the Duchess. I it, it, I, it wasn't that the Duke and the Duchess received email correspondence, so oh, that's interesting. My. But so the statement reads, I can confirm the Duke has recently received email correspondence from His Majesty's office regarding the coronation. An immediate decision on whether the Duke and Duchess will attend will not be disclosed by us at this time. And I think this is a good point to send a little friendly reminder to our listeners that the day of the coronation is May 6th, which also is a very special date for Meghan and Harry. 
It's Archie's birthday. Yeah, it's their first child's birthday, four years old. So... uh, (laughs) How does this happen? How do you plan the coronation for your grandson's birthday? I mean, I guess maybe in the royal family, like, there's so many birthdays and significant dates that sometimes it's bound to overlap. Yeah, I I think that there's a lot of... There's a lot of... uh, there's a lot of factors there, and we could discuss, and in fact, we should discuss <laughs> what some of those those factors may be and what motivations might be. So, you know, we were, we, obviously, that story had to jump into the conversation as well, and at first, it's like, oh, how do we, you know, link these two stories? And then it was very, very obvious, because the link is King Charles and the coronation and whether or not there's going to be any reconciliation between him and the Sussexes. Right. And it sounds like the Sussexes have acknowledged that they have been evicted. They've acknowledged that an evite has been sent, but they have refrained from commenting further or indicating whether they will be attending the coronation. Exactly. Um, do you think that, Sean, is re- revealing anything, you know, to, to acknowledge but offer no further comment or even confirmation, like no RSVP? Absolutely. No, I do think it is because... They don't have to do that. Like, they've shown time and time again that, you know, they'll comment when they want to comment, and they will not comment when they don't want to comment. So you have to read into even just them responding, either or Buckingham Palace, right? Buckingham Palace isn't responding to this story. Meghan and Harry are, you know, and as Meghan and Harry, as Harry pointed out in his, uh, you know, in his book Spare, he wanted Buckingham Palace and Kensington Palace and the royal family to respond to stories more. So you got to play like any response has is in and of itself loaded, regardless of what the actual statement is. And then the statement itself is something to discuss. So so when we say we are we are reading the tea leaves like that is no exaggeration. That is no far fetched metaphor. Like this is what we have to do in order to parse the language of the royal family. Yeah. Like that's royal news. It's all about reading the tea leaves. It's reading between the lines, understanding what subtle things actually mean because it is always something more than what it appears to be. Like releasing a statement, if you think about it, it's just like, okay, they released a statement. But when you really get into it on a granular level, you got to realize that that in and of itself is news, which I realize sounds petty, but I mean, (laughs) I mean... mean it's something that I've learned in creating this podcast with you, Sean. You know, it's, it's that there is so much just kind of nestled here in the details. Completely. And speaking of the details and reading those tea leaves and understanding uh, <laughs> how to do that, uh, you know, when we were talking about who to have on this week as our guest, immediately came to mind a good friend of mine who I met, we met through this podcast. Yeah. Five years ago when we had our first season, and that is Jamie Samhan. She is the former managing editor of ET Canada, a former royal correspondent, and the founder of Hop, an AI-powered wellness platform for female entrepreneurs. And she is someone that has followed the royals for many years. Uh, (laughs) I also understand the sort of exhaustion that can come from trying to follow, again, these very granular uh, (laughs) parts of these stories to understand what it is. And, you know, again, uh, understands the sort of 
pettiness that we're we're kind of dealing here. That with we're the getting Royals. into, yeah. But before we get into the convo, a lot of other royal news happened this week, so that we just don't have time to cover on the pod. <laughs> but I want to make sure that everybody at least is aware of it. So I'm just going to run us all through some quick headlines that you can also go and look at. Uh, you know, if, if any of these strike your fancy. So obviously, we talked about the coronation invite, Meghan and Harry leaving Frogmore Cottage. But one of the other big headlines this week was that Chris Rock had a live Netflix special that uh, blasted Meghan Markle. Uh, it was called Selective Outrage, and he really lampooned her for not <laughs> what he says is playing the victim and not knowing that the royal family would be racist, that they are, in his words, the OG racists, that you know they invested in slavery as if it was Shark Tank, um, and that some of the stuff that she complained about in the Oprah interview or in his, you know, his version complained about, uh, it is not racism. It's in-law shit, as he put it. So that, I mean, really, we could do a whole episode just on that, but there's no time. I mean, Um, first we had South Park. Now we have Chris Rock. I feel like it's been a tough week for Megan. They're they're not yeah they're they're not getting the best press uh, lately but you know they're determined to keep going. Uh, another thing that we that we saw in the headlines is Prince Harry did a sort of fireside chat with Dr. Uh, Gabor Mate, who is a expert in toxic trauma and addiction. Uh, he has a new book out, also published by Random House Penguin Random House, who which is publishing Prince Harry's book. So they had a little chat about you know uh, Harry's own past with trauma and you know substance issues and he said that he encouraged everyone in the royal family to get therapy uh which i think some of us who have had therapy would understand and relate to telling our family members to get therapy (laughs) um because he said they couldn't speak his language uh so that was interesting also dr uh, mate kind of gave him a clinical diagnosis of having add just based on reading uh, his book based on reading spare, which was a little awkward. Um, and we should say that the ADHD foundation said that, the, that this sort of diagnosis public and live isn't ethical or appropriate. Uh, yeah. It's garnered a lot of attention in the headlines. Um, but I don't know. I also jumped back a little bit when I saw it was a little uh, cringe. That diagnosis. It was a little, it was a little weird. Um, yeah. So a couple other things. Uh, Megan and Harry went on a date night. In L.A. at a very swanky, sort of high-end, exclusive members-only place called the San Vicente Bungalow. Sean, what kind of place is the San Vicente Bungalow? Uh, The San Vicente Bungalow is a very exclusive members-only club. It's the type of place where you're not allowed to take photos, which is probably like with your cell phone. You have to put like your cell phone away. They give you like a little sticker that you have to put over the camera on on your cell phone. Um, So it's an exclusive, again. I bet they love that. They love exactly. You know, you can imagine also from a practical point of view why they may want to do that. Interesting thing about the San Vicente bungalow, which is uh, something that people in LA talk about, is that it used to be basically like a drug den, like a motel where, you know, just full of, I mean, it's just like where you went if you just wanted to go and do a bunch of drugs. And then it got bought by a developer and now is this swanky club. So uh, have fun, everybody researching that. (laughs) Uh, and go into that little story. But we don't have time. So we're going to now get into our conversation with Jamie. 
Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Jamie, welcome to the pod. It's great to have you back on this after all these years when we when we first met here with you as a guest. Hello, hello. It has been quite a few years now. I won't exactly count how many because that makes me feel old. Yeah, I, I did count earlier, but hopefully we'll edit that out. So, Jamie, there's a lot of, you know, stuff to discuss. Uh, you know, just really quickly for our listeners, you know, we met uh, do, as on this podcast and we were following the lead up to the royal wedding, which is what this podcast was initially about. And then we met in real life IRL at the royal wedding, covering it uh, in that whirlwind, ending up <laughs> after the after the wedding, sitting in front of my TV and my little Airbnb in our formal wear eating pizza because there was no other food available. Um, We we had a fun, fun little time. Yes. I think that entire one day could be a podcast on its own. Just going through all the details. It's like a, that's like a Hallmark movie. Whether we want to share them could be another story. I mean, we won't get into it. Um, (laughs) Off the record conversations, but you know, so, uh, you know, again, we're talking today about this this invitation to the coronation, uh, more like the save the date, right? Because it's more like it seems to be that Charles and the royal family are just doing like an initial reach out, right, to big people that they know they would want to have. Right. So I think what's important about this is the press offices always have to communicate with each other. Now, even though Harry and Meghan don't have their royal press office, they still have their private one and there's a lot of planning that takes behind the scenes everything from security to where they're going to sit so that is probably more likely what this evite was it's not prince charles reaching out to harry which i think harry really wants it doesn't sound like that's happened and maybe harry's still waiting for that but this is just the preliminary planning stage of like we need to know where we're going to place them in the abbey we need to know what events they're going to attend if they're going to attend any we need to know security so it's just kind of the press offices communicating with each other trying to work out these details so it's logistics really really it just comes down to logistics yeah, and I am, and like you said, you know, the seating chart, right? Like they gotta know. Uh, <laughs> it's not like a wedding, you know. I mean, it, I guess it kind of is, where it's like you have your your plant, your uh, tier one and tier two guests. So it's like they're reaching out to the tier ones to see who all is gonna come to see who, you know, how many other seats they have left. There will be else. so much behind this seating because obviously Harry and Meghan aren't senior working royals anymore. They're not going to get the front row seats, but they also can't place them too far back because the optics of it all and where are they going to sit? Do they sit them next to Prince Andrew? They'll probably most likely be with other non-working royals. So like Zara, Eugenie, uh, Princess Beatrice. Eugenie would make sense, right? Because they're close with... And they don't want to stick them, yeah, too far back either. Because, or behind a candle again. Uh, maybe behind a pillar. So the cameras I, I, can't read their facial expressions. Right, right. That candle was the candle at the for listeners. What I'm referring to is at the Queen's funeral. The camera shot of Meghan Markle, the Duchess of Sussex, was obscured by a candle. Uh, you could still see her face a little bit, but press officer not, is very 
probably very proud of themselves for pulling that off. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, very good day for the, for the Kensington Palace and Buckingham Palace press teams. So uh, what do you see, you know, uh, like you said, this isn't the conversation that probably Harry wants, right? This isn't Charles reaching out to his son, trying to make peace. Um, and we don't know, you know, they explicitly said, Harry and Meghan commenting on it, that they're not going to reveal anything about them attending. They're not going to reveal whether they've made a decision or they haven't made a decision. Uh, do, what do you think are sort of the prerequisites for them to attend, you know, and for Charles, you know, to get them to attend? So honestly, I don't think Charles cares all that much if they mm. actually attend or not. This is his big day. He's been waiting for this forever. And I think he's probably more focused on that. Now, Harry has said before that he needs his father to reach out before they will attend. However, now Frogmore is kind of put into the mix here. And originally they were supposed to be out immediately. And they've now been given to the summer. So just before or just after the coronation. So I think that Harry will most likely, and I could be completely eating my words here, but I think he'll most likely <laughs> attend because he will have to deal oh. with Frogmore Cottage. Mm. Now, depending how much Charles reaches out or any other member of the family reaches out and the fact that it's Archie's birthday, Megan is more likely to kind of wait and see. So they're probably waiting to see kind of what happens before they announce whether it's one or both of them going. But they've had to put beside family drama in the past to attend like uh prince philip's funeral the queen's funeral and they've put it beside a fast in the past so they could attend these big events and i think they will once again or at least harry will i think that's very observant and i think that that is is accurate and i think that it's that's the question to me is that is it going to be like prince philip's funeral where only harry attended or is it going to be the queen's like the queen's funeral where they where they both attended where Megan and Harry both attended even though they didn't partake in uh, as you said sort of the things that all the senior working royals would do all those events they're not going to be on the balcony right you know Buckingham Palace waving to the masses we shouldn't expect that um but and right I mean I think the other question is you know to what extent can will can or will Megan and Harry use or validly claim uh, the fact that it's Archie's birthday as a reason for them to not participate in something for for Megan to maybe step aside, right? As being like, okay, Harry's going to attend, but like someone has to be with a child on their birthday. Um, and then Harry will join later in the day. You know, that's a factor. It's a pretty good out for them. Um, as much as I was very surprised that they planned the coronation on Archie's birthday, it's like they're giving them an out as well. That, that, they can that say, was like, my thing. Yeah, here you go. This is your chance to not come. To save it, their blushes, right? And like, there's that's so the whole many thing. other events around the coronation as well. So it could be Harry just attending the big ceremony at the Abbey and nothing else. Because there's dinners and there's different events in the community. We won't see them at any of those. I very much doubt that. But yeah, yeah well... I'm very curious to see how it's going to all turn out. <laughs> It'll yeah. be a mess, no matter how it shapes up. Yeah, I think that that is. Um, th- I think that it was very purposeful on Charles's and the you know the palace's part to use that as an opportunity to say, listen, you know, here's a 
valid sort of excuse and something they used before, right? Because it, it was Lilibet's birthday around the time of the Queen's Jubilee uh, celebration, which happened just months, sadly, before she passed away. And so they left to go to where? Frogmore Cottage, uh, because that was their permanent UK home, or so they thought, uh, to you know, um, to go and celebrate Lilibet's birthday. Yeah, now, well, that was more of a coincidence that timing worked out that way because obviously the queen can't choose when her jubilee is going to fall on and you can't choose the birth of a child. So that one just worked out nicely. Uh, yeah. But yeah, Archie's birthday and the coronation are definitely... It's, there's no I'm, way nobody yeah. thought of that when planning. Right, that's what I'm saying. It's like there's... In my mind, it seems like they maybe said, oh, well, you know what? Like... Lilibet's birthday like we were able to do you know or like that worked out it it just you know not that that was planned and it's like oh well this happens to exist here we were gonna do it around then anyway so please don't show up use this as an excuse or to say if they do show up like I mean that would I mean if they do show up that all both of them you know that could really boost like Megan and Harry could really use that as saying like we showed up even on our child's birthday (laughs) yeah please forgive us Right. Have these conversations right. with us. Look what but we're doing for you. To your okay, but we have to get. I mean, because Frogmore is, you know, it's huge in this oh, whole goodness. thing. Oh goodness! Oh goodness, Sean. You know, because can you explain to everybody as well, sort of like a little bit of? I got into it a little bit at the top, but like a little bit of the backstory about Frogmore, and you know, there, it was a controversial thing them living there to begin with. Right. So when senior members of the royal family get married, the queen traditionally gifted them a place that they could live. And for Harry and Meghan, it was Frogmore Cottage. But Frogmore Cottage was not a residence. They were offices that staff used. It was not a place that she would live. So it required a lot of refurbishments. And of course, that came from the sovereign grant. So the sovereign grant is taxpayer money that's put aside for the royal family to Uh, go about their days and to survive now they also have their private and they have all their different duchies that go to different members of the royal family to kind of supplement the rest of that income but the money that was used from the refurbishment was taxpayer dollars so people were Mm. very very upset about that now harry and megan have since paid it back and i doubt that they will ever see that money again i believe it's around three million u.s yeah yeah Yeah. so uh yeah i don't think that they'll ever see that money again but yeah there was a lot of controversy about how could they do in all these renovations and some of the renovations as well that were kind of suggested by the media that they were doing were things that were actually never put in right like the yoga studio wasn't there a thing about a yoga studio floating floor yoga studio that i don't from my understanding that never happened and there's a lot of other things too that uh, some of the tabloids said oh they did and got people really really upset about it when in fact it was completely blown out of proportion. Right. And I mean, in their defense as well, right? Like the house was not a house. Like it was, it had been sectioned into different unit. It was a building that used to be one house, but it had been sectioned into like different apartments basically for staff who worked for the Royal family, uh, like are on the Windsor grounds to live in. So they had to really like, you know, there was some serious construction that had to be done to make it one singular family home. Yeah. And it's an old building as well too. So there has to, had to be updating that had to be done as well just for building codes. So there was a lot that had to be done. Yeah, and it seems that, you know, the common thread here is that the media, uh, you know... Blew something out of proportion once again. (laughs) 
Yeah, you know, I mean, it's like it comes down to like anytime money's involved, right? Like it's it's kind of this funny thing because I, my feeling is that it's like if they're royals, like if they're working royals and they spend money on, you know, they spend too much money in, in the eyes of media or the people, they're lambasted. If they're financially independent and then they're making a ton of money so that they can do whatever they want, then they're lambasted as well as like, you know, trading off of their royal status. So it is, you know, like a sticky wicket. Um, but there's there's shades of grades in there, uh, shades of gray in there, too. But, you know, it definitely, to your point, it's like they're not, I don't think they're going to get, like, they're not going to get that $3 million back that they now footed. Uh, no, because it came, those. yeah, it's from the Sovereign Grant. So what, are the taxpayers going to give them the $3 million back because now Prince Andrew, of all people, is going to live there? No, absolutely I mean, imagine not. those and, headlines. And imagine, King like, the UK a- government, like, because remember, in the UK, uh, everybody, Meghan and Harry are not, you know, again, look at generational lines. But if you just do a general poll in the UK, they are not popular. So it's certainly not going to be something where uh, <laughs> I don't think the British, like the government, who is the one who would have to sign off on it, right? It's not just Charles. Like it, it the government, I think, would have to be involved uh, to say, you know what? Let's let's make that decision because that'll give us good headlines to write a check to Harry and Meghan for three million. Yeah, that absolutely happened. Uh, yeah. I don't see King Charles also paying out of his pocket either. So no, they're they're just out of that money. Yeah, which I mean, they it seems like they have lots and lots to spare. Pardon the pun, but they <laughs> <laughs> they yeah, that's still three million dollars. Three million dollars is three million dollars. Exactly. And the interesting thing as well was that, you know, the reports are, again, could be not accurate, but the reports are that Charles told them about this the day after Spare was released. Once again, it comes back to these optics. So we're covering the royal family for so many years. They're always so concerned about how is something going to look. When you're planning a royal tour, there's people that go ahead months and months to plan out everything to see how is this going to look. You know, if they stand here, what's behind them? How is like making sure everything is planned down to a just tiniest detail and then months ahead of his coronation and the day after harry's book come out he goes and takes frogmore cottage away which his mother who has not even dead for a year gifted to harry and megan and who she so badly wanted the relationship to work with them and always said how now she wasn't very pleased with many of the things they did but she still really loved them and she wanted things to work out and then he goes and does something like this yeah, she got on well with Megan. Like, they, you know, they had a good r- relationship, you know, or at least a, a chemistry, right? You know, like, they, ha- and she seemed to be aware of th- them certainly wanting more, I don't want to use the word privacy, but just having some space outside of London to be able to exist, you know, a, a little more comfortably. And it's kind of why, it seemed why Frogmore would be, a good choice. And I think she, uh, Harry said in spare that she even wanted to give them something. I think she, he mentioned that she wanted to give them something grander, like a bigger, you know, house or something like that. And they didn't want that. Um, so I, you know, that's interesting as well, but it really is the point of Charles seems to be his own worst enemy with his press. You know, it's like he wants to be, he wants the attention on him after all these years, right? After he's been the Prince of Wales for 70 years and longest time, meaning he's just been waiting for this job, you know, until his mother died. But he, 
is not like the Megan and Harry are the cloud hanging over this entire proceeding of building up to the coronation. And as if there wasn't enough news, as if there wasn't enough fuel to that fire, he adds more with this, you know, with this eviction. Well, that's the one thing I think Charles and Harry have in common is they have all these press teams who are there to advise them and give them the best advice and really try to weave through all these potential landmines. But both of them will do whatever they want in the end of the day. So they could have the best advice about don't go do that interview. You're doing too many interviews. Don't take Frogmore Cottage away. And once they get an idea in their mind, there's nothing that is going to change that. I think that that, yeah, we've talked about that before. And like, we've heard that from people. And I think that that is so just so true. And you can imagine the headaches and (laughs) the sleepless nights that their comms teams are having over this, just being like, why are they doing this? You know, just listen to me. But you know, it is that sort of thing. (laughs) He's the king. He's going to do what he wants to do. Um, But yeah, it does seem to, from a PR point of view, just to be shooting himself in the foot. And, you know, and let's talk a little bit about the fact that it's Andrew who's going to be, you know, allegedly going to live here because he's been kicked out of the house that he lived in, a place called Royal Lodge. That's the part of the story that actually shocked me the most. It wasn't the fact that Charles said, no, you can't have Frogmore anymore. That was a little bit surprising, but the biggest part was that Andrew is going to get it. Of all people, once again, I know I keep saying this, but back to these optics, like why give it to Andrew? And there are reports that Andrew is resisting wanting it now I don't think it's so Andrew. why might he resist it explain to people because wh- I think this is interesting yeah so I don't think that it's Andrew resisting because he's like oh no it's Harry and Megan's house I don't deserve it they deserve it I think it's because he's a little bit too posh for the place like you said already <laughs> it's not it's the small. most extravagant house he lived at Royal Lodge which was this huge mansion that most of us can never even imagine yeah it's called Lodge but it is not it's like, not a lot it's, it's not, not your little, little log cabin in the woods it's yeah uh once again, go look up pictures so you can kind of understand and compare it to Frogmore. I think he just doesn't want to be downgraded that much. He lost, had to sell his house. Uh, oh, where was it? His ski resort, Chalet, yeah. which once again was not another little lodge. This thing was massive. And he had to sell it to pay for his legal bills. So I think he's... Because he had a huge a settlement with Virginia Jeffries. Right, who, who he was accused is... of having sex with when he w- she was underage. Now that has been settled out of court and he has always maintained his innocence in the whole thing. But he Andrew just has this reputation that kind of follows him around. And there's something to be said about that. There's always a truth in every little thing. Right. Yeah. I mean, and that's the sort of thing we were talking about before, you know, again, like reading the tea leaves and looking through these things. It's like there's a common thread, which is that he's and also people have spoken about this. Right. It's not just like sources, like people who have been in the business world because he was a trade ambassador for the UK, you know, uh, some basically kind of, you know, just made up role for him to go and just go do something. And everybody talks about, you know, his desire for largesse. Um, and for living a certain lifestyle. So it, it makes sense that that would, might be a reason why he doesn't want to live at Frogmore, even though it's now been redone. I definitely think that's what it is. I, have, I don't think it's the fact that he's like want, sympathetic towards Harry and Meghan. I think it's the fact that it's not good enough for him. So in the question of 
money and how that that all plays into this. You know, it always is, I think, top of mind in media coverage and in the way people think about it because they are, you know, their job is being royal, right? Like they get their money. They have their own money as well, you know, uh, in offshore accounts and they have their own private holdings. Uh, you know, for example, like Balmoral Castle, uh, which was the Queen's favorite place to summer and everything, that is not a royal residence owned by the British government. It's something that the Queen privately owned that she, you know, Queen Victoria had bought with money that she got because she was the Queen. So it's it's a murky situation. But how do you think people now are looking at this interplay of the monarchy being relevant and the cost of the monarchy, uh, it being worth it, or is it too extravagant? Is it feeding too much into privilege? You know, these, uh, I'm curious what, what you think, um, how, how important you think those, those questions and those conversations are. So when I started covering the royals many, many years ago, I would have said the monarchy is absolutely worth it. They are a great use of taxpayer money. They bring so much tourism into the UK. Fast forward to today, my views have definitely changed. Yeah. I definitely think as like just a historic institution that they are very important to have and we should never ignore history. However, the shape that the monarchy is in today is not realistic. You need yeah. to look at the monarchy in the Netherlands or in Sweden or in Norway, and they have really done a great job at evolving. And they're still existing, but they are not at the same level as the UK. They exist, they do their charity work, but they still have the, you can go to the castles, you can tour them. The royals' families don't really live in, in these extravagant places anymore. They still and have the royal very, families, even though they're nice big in the in, you know in those countries, not all those not every very few people in the royal families there have actual working roles and get a salary you know from correct the state. And I think that's the way the British monarchy needs to go as well. It's the only way they're going to be able to maintain relevance, and especially now with like George and Charlotte and Louis. George could possibly be one day king if the monarchy is still around at that point. Right, but, which is a big question. Which is a huge question, but then it comes down again to those spares, Charlotte and Louis. What is going to happen to them? And Harry has expressed that he's concerned about that, and I think that's something that, as much as they might not admit that Harry is right, William knows that his children need to find a place. Yeah, I think you're so spot on. And I think that the question about money and, you know, refurbishing cottages that are actually really mansions and putting disgraced members of the royal family who are accused of being involved in sex trafficking and, you know, uh, sexual misconduct with an underage girl, giving them a free mansion to live in, even though he, he turns his nose up at that mansion because it's not a nice enough, big enough mansion. I, I can't imagine that those are not going to be uh, things that people are thinking about when they think about uh, whether the monarchy is, you know, should really continue on in the world that we live in today. Of course, I got to say that, you know, public opinion polls in the UK do still support the monarchy. But I again, you got to look at generational lines and the younger generations do not favor the monarchy as as much. And I think that talks about money particularly do influence 
those uh, those opinions. Absolutely. And William's going to probably be the one that faces this most. Charles is in his 70s already. Uh, even if he makes it another 20 years, William will still be a f- much younger than King than Charles ever was. So it should be pretty interesting to see kind of even then over the next few years, Charles has been king, them, king for less than a year now. So he has a lot on his shoulders and I don't see it shaping up to the way they said even Charles was supposed to have a smaller coronation. That was the line they gave for so long. He wants a slimmed down monarchy, but we're not seeing that. That's not the coronation plans that have been coming out. So I think Charles or even his press team got ahead of themselves. And I mean, Charles has led a very spoon-fed life up to this point and I think he kind of wants that to continue. I think you raise a really excellent point with the talk of a slimmed down monarchy which we've heard all these reports for years that that's what Charles wants and there were a lot of questions about what this coronation is going to look like for from an again we're talking about optics and the optics right now if you're look if you're looking for a way to criticize the royal family right if you're looking for something to call out about the coronation it's there's go, there's just as much extravagance as you know one might expect of a normal coronation there doesn't seem to be so far anyway big adjustments or big concessions on trying to make this a more modern maybe humble or maybe modest you know ceremony absolutely not and the actual coronation ceremony itself maybe didn't need to be slimmed down as much. It is a huge historic thing, and I think they need to kind of keep that tradition, the tradition in there. Because it goes back a thousand years. That tradition, I and it's not like it happens every year either, but there's so much surrounding it mm. that, like this massive concert that reportedly nobody will actually Wants perform to go at. To perform at. Maybe don't have it then. Maybe find another way to celebrate that it's not spending all this money on a giant concert and maybe it's giving it back to the communities, holding smaller events in the communities, which they are doing a bit of, but if you're going to spend the money, maybe not trying to get Elton John. Right. Which Elton Candle in the Wind John never going to perform. Yeah, that was a strange, strange (laughs) request to put out there. uh, Why they thought that he would jump on board for that. Is beyond yeah. me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially being that he's also close friends with Harry. Uh, so, so much we still have to, you know, uh, we're waiting to see before the coronation. What do you think going forward? What do you think are the real, you know, big headlines or uh, topics, you know, uh, markers uh, in, that we should be looking for as we, you know, as we cover this the next uh, couple months? Well, Harry just gave a speech with Better Up, and of course, always something comes out of that. He can't escape who he is and, and who his family is. say what is. Better Up is for our listeners who might not know. Right. So Better Up is the foundation that Harry is chief something or whatever of. Yeah. But they yeah. are a, basically like an executive coaching program to help people work on their mental health through their workplaces. Yeah. yeah. So it's a really, really actually great program if you can afford it. Their coaches are top tier. It is very expensive. So most people cannot actually kind of get over that barrier. 
But he just, uh, they were had a conference and there was a bunch of different speakers. And of course, Harry always kind of talks about his family with that. And then on Monday is Commonwealth Day. So it is King Charles's first Commonwealth Day, mm. which is at Westminster Abbey, which is where he'll be crowned in a few months. However, for all of you who are keeping track, three years ago, that mm-hmm. was Harry and Meghan's final appearance. So it's always kind of... Uh, you, you a senior working royals. That senior was their working like, royals. goodbye yeah, moment. Yeah, so uh, you can't escape that day now without the reflection of what went on that day and the, oh, the glances the and you the tension the and just every people so badly wanted it to all work out and it didn't. And of course, that's going to probably be what more people talk about than King Charles's actual first speech at Commonwealth Day. Yeah. I think that that will be, and again, anytime he makes a speech, I think we're looking to see if there's any nod to Harry and Meghan, because also they were supposed to be Commonwealth ambassadors when they were senior working royals. So we'll see, you know, Meghan had in her her wedding dress, her veil had flowers from each country of the Commonwealth. So they had been very committed to, you know, they tried to explore an option of living in one of the Commonwealth countries. When they were Um, living here, we were told that, the fact that they were living in a Commonwealth country was going to be a great way for them to be able to help reach the Commonwealth better. And a few weeks later, they moved to LA. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Um, Jamie, this has been fantastic. Uh, I can't thank you enough for coming on here. Like we really could just talk. I mean, we do talk about this all day. (laughs) So um, I'm just so glad, you know, Spilling World Tea brought us together and I couldn't be happier for that. So thank you again. Well, thank you for having me. It's been a walk down memory lane. (laughs) It is truly our pleasure. Oh, that was such a great conversation. Fascinating. I could talk to, I know I said this, I could talk to Jamie for hours and she always, (laughs) it's so great because like she always reminds me of things that I'm like, that's right. We need to be paying attention to that. I know. Well, yeah. Iron sharpens iron here. Oh, stop. You guys are both such experts. It's such a pleasure to listen to you. Uh, Well, we're going to have to have her back on the pod sometime soon because she's really invaluable. Uh, So dear listener, take all that in, see how you feel about it. Take a look at some of those other headlines and we'll be back next week with clearly plenty more to talk about. Uh, so, yeah, we'd like to say we know what we're going to talk about next week. I was going to say we, we had a plan. We planned that and then, you know, the headlines happen. Yeah, so we had a plan. Got to leave room for that, too. Yeah, we always have a plan technically, but <laughs> it's like we I think we've learned to not go f- too far down the road of that plan until it's yeah. like 24 hours out. Because, again, in the words of Ellie Golding, anything can happen. Spilling Royalty is a production of the TMZ Audio Network. It's produced by Maggie Van Dorn. Wild Young is our in-studio producer. Make sure you never miss an episode and subscribe or follow Spilling Royalty on your favorite podcast app. And if you like the show, share it with a friend or someone you know who likes to spill the tea. You can also help us grow the podcast by rating and reviewing Spilling Royalty on Apple Podcasts. I'm your host, Sean Mandel. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk next week. 